Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad we got to have a children's moment in person. That way I could have a front row seat to the, what if they were faking it? That's such a good question. Maybe we'll address it in the sermon. I don't know, maybe we won't, we'll see. Good morning, everyone. My name is Haley Bryant. Um, I am the pastoral intern here at Christ United. I get to work in youth ministry. We have some youth ministry kids here today, and they are lovely. It's a very great job. A couple of weeks ago, you got to hear from Luke, who works with me in youth ministry. He's gotten to preach in here. Now I get to preach in here. A couple of weeks ago, Stephanie preached in youth. Next week, Chris is preaching in youth. So we get to all just mix it up and do different things. One thing of the one of the many things our church does really well is interconnectedness between different spaces so i'm honored to be here if you haven't heard we're in lent and this sunday is the fifth week in our lenten series and during lent we are doing a journey through the life of jesus we are looking at different pieces of ministry and today we are talking about miracles so to discuss his miracles I would like for us to think about this morning, where do Jesus's miracles intersect in our life? We don't live in the same situation in which Jesus lived. So what does that mean here for us today? That's what we're discussing. So we will be in Luke the whole time. We're going to be in Luke a lot. So we are in Luke 7, starting in verse 11. So I will read to you from the NRSV version. Soon afterwards, he went to a small town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of a town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow, and and with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still. Okay, he touched the, like, um, thing that, like, the casket or the body was on. Like, he touched that part. Okay. And now I lose my place. Let's see. He came forward and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still. And then he said, young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother, Fear seized all of them, and the glory, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. The word of God for the people of God. There it is. Thanks be to God. Awesome. A few years ago, I was living in okay, four years ago specifically, I was living in Sayre, Oklahoma. So it is halfway in between Amarillo, Texas and Oklahoma City on I-40. If you've been there, you've already forgotten about it because it's not super noteworthy. Just imagine a, a highway and there's just flat pasture on each side of you. Has everybody been somewhere like that? Yes, exactly. Now you've been to Sayre, Oklahoma. It's almost exactly like that. I was working there at the Methodist Church, the Methodist Church, there's only one, and it's a smaller church, and I was doing children's ministry and youth ministry, and it was super fun. I felt like I got to know families really well, because I would, like, have their, 
children, and then I would get to teach the teenagers, and then sometimes be in Bible study with the parents. So I felt like I got to have a really great relationship with all of the families, and it was going well. I was like, man, I like this job, and maybe I'm even cut out for this job. This is really cool. Then in 2019, I moved to Dallas, and I started attending Perkins School of Theology um, at SMU. And so whenever I entered, I got humbled in a really important way that I'm really, really thankful for. So I start out, and I show, I show up to the first day of class, and I don't have a bachelor's degree in anything related to theology. My bachelor's degree is in speech pathology. That is not the same thing. And so I enter into uh, systematic theology, which they do not suggest first-year students take anymore because it was very difficult. And so we are reading the most important theological thinkers, you know, of all time, pretty much. And I'm in classrooms with students who have studied this in their undergrad, not all of whom, but some of whom who have studied this. And so I would take my readings home at night and uh, just cry sometimes. I'm just like, I don't understand what I'm reading. It doesn't make any sense. And it was, it was pretty difficult. I was utterly confused. You see, I cannot fathom losing a child like this widow in our story and the devastation that that would bring to someone. But I can understand having one version of life and then having everything change and life looking completely different after that change. The widow who Jesus encounters in our story is weeping over the loss of her son. It's, this is similar to a funeral procession. They're carrying the body and Jesus sees her, sees her crying, and he has compassion. This loss is not only of her son, this is a gigantic social and financial loss for the woman. She doesn't have a name, we'll just call her the woman. So this widow has no sons, she has no one to support her, and she has no ability to support herself. She will have to rely on the kindness of others for the rest of her days, and those days will likely be spent in poverty. I think most of us can resonate with a change in status and how dramatic that can be. It may not be to the exact same level that this woman has experienced, but most of us have had a situation where we were the boss and then we weren't the boss anymore. <laughs> or where you were in a relationship and now you're not in that relationship anymore. Where you were the top performer in this area and then you're not at the top anymore. And that's exactly where Jesus finds this woman. Jesus is entering the city with a crowd of people. He sees the woman and he has compassion. He touches the stretcher, which gets everybody's attention because that's against the Jewish purity law for him to be touching this piece. So everybody turns to him. Everybody's paying attention to Jesus. And then he raises this man from the dead. The man sits up. He begins talking. And just like that, the entire world of this widow changes yet again. Then let's skip down a little while to chapter 8. And these are verses 22 through 25. So Jesus is um, traveling a little bit, um, 
doing some teaching, and this story will likely seem familiar. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out. And while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water. They were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, Who is this then that he commands even the wind and the water and they obey him? The word of God for the people of God. Jesus is traveling with his disciples. Apparently, Jesus is tired because as soon as they get in this boat, he lays down and takes a nap and then a storm erupts. His disciples come rushing to him and they say, Master, Master, which denotes some authority. And they say, we, we're perishing, we're dying. They make to him an urgent plea, you must help us. And Jesus says no and goes back to sleep. No, of course not. Jesus says, yes, of course. And Jesus stands up and calms the waves. And everyone is in shock and awe because a miracle has just been performed. When we talk about miracles together, I think it's important for us to realize that many of us ask for a miracle. We say, Jesus, Jesus, my friend is dying. My family member is hurting. I need this thing. And sometimes it seems like Jesus is asleep in the boat. Asking things of God is scary and it's vulnerable. And sometimes we ask for things and it doesn't happen like we've requested. And that is so absolutely heartbreaking. There's a quote I'm about to read from a woman who I have read in seminary, and she does not make me cry in confusion when I read her. Her name is Julianne of Norwich, and she is an English woman who grew up, in the, who, grew up who lived in the Middle Ages. And so we have a quote of hers. If there's anywhere on earth a lover of God who is, is always kept safe, I know nothing of it, for it was not shown to me. But this was shown, that in falling and rising again, we are always kept in that same precious love. We are kept in the precious love of God for all of our days, no matter our circumstances. We can ask things of God, and even when things do not turn out as we would hope so, Jesus came to earth to be with us, and Jesus is always nearby when we're in a crisis. Jesus provides a comfort and transformation even today. In the year 2000, uh, I was... I'm going to tell you how old I was. All of you guys can react however you want, or you don't have to react. I was in elementary school in the year 2000. So um, my sister and I um, were already born. We were both in middle school. And then my parents were trying to decide if they were going to have a larger family or if, you know, they wanted to have two daughters. So they were thinking about this and praying about it and trying to decide what to do. And um, they decided to adopt. And so after over two years of paperwork, 
my brother, who was two and a half years old at the time, was adopted, and he officially became part of our family. It was a really great day. Then, about a year later, my mom is like flipping through like an old journal of hers, and she comes across an entry in her journal, and she reads it, and she had written a prayer about adoption. You know, they were trying to decide what to do, and so she'd written this prayer, and then it said that she had made the very first phone call to proceed with adoption on that day. It was astonishing to see the date that she had written down because that was the exact day that my brother was born, was the day that they made the very first phone call about adopting. I think that God is working around us all the time in ways that we can't comprehend and the ways that we can't see and whenever we get glimpses of them, we call them miracles. Whenever we take time to stop, to reflect, to maybe record our accounts with God, then I think we get to see a little bit more what it is God is doing and what it is we get to be a part of. God is breaking into our everyday lives in many ways. God's presence is here, and we call that a miracle. Amen.